We're going to be welcoming new members this morning. So if those who are here that are becoming new members would come forward, that'd be great. Uh, Mark Aragon, Anna Boozer, Janice Stewart, Jeremy and Michelle Tate, Chelsea. That's nice, but their name's not on the list. Well, we missed on the piece of paper. Sorry about that. Um, Each of these have participated in a um, time of getting acquainted with our church, our values, our goals and objectives, six significant topics about the core of what we believe and uh, do as a church. And we want to thank each one of them for prayerfully considering uh, this and joining us in our vision and direction as a church. And so we want to give an opportunity to them and to those who are uh, members existing to make a pledge, a commitment again to Christ, his church, and his cause. So I am going to basically ask a question, and the correct answer, if you would like to join us, is we do. Do you submit to the call of God and to participate in the life of Vineyard Christian Church San Antonio? And do you as a congregation promise to support these new members as family through prayer, time, and love in their pursuit to fulfill their commitment to Christ, his church, and his cause? Let's pray for uh, these new members of our church, and then we will pass them out their stuff. Okay, if we could have the forward captains come on forward. Some of our key leaders. Lord, we just thank you for bringing these to our midst for however long you have them here. Lord, I ask that you would empower us as a leadership team to unwrap them and to uh, coach them and deploy them into their the maximum use of their gifts. Lord, may each of them be a shining example of what it can be like to be a member of a church body. Lord, we receive these with such joy, and we look forward to what you're going to do with them in our midst. Yes, Father, we thank you for an opportunity to welcome, to join together, to be united in heart, mind, and soul as we accomplish the deeds that you have set before us as a community. Might we each uh, remember uh, the charge that's been given to us to uh, go forth into all the world discipling, reaching, welcoming in by baptism those you connect to us and then teaching them to do all that you have taught us to do. Thank you for this privilege to be a part of what you're doing in our world today in Jesus' name. Amen. Wait. Ah, there they are. Okay, we got one more thing really important here. Okay. One more thing. 
you know, for a while now, I've been meeting with a couple from our church, praying with them and talking with them and getting to know them. And I'm very excited about what God is leading us to do and what God's leading them to do. Um, And it's become really obvious that this couple really loves Christ, his church, and his cause. And any time they go anywhere, they're like volunteering to do something. What can we do? How can we help? And so, you know, when you meet people like that, you kind of just want to pray a while to see what's the best place to fit them. Because, you know, you just want to get them stuck somewhere and then realize, oh, well, that was a mess. So we've been praying about this couple and feel like the Lord in, um, through the Spirit has led us to a good fit for them and a beautiful fit for our church. And so um, would Mark and Jolene Aragon, please come forward. Okay, this beautiful couple um, are going to become our new Connect ministry directors. Yippee! <laughs> and... These folks, what they're committed to doing is making um, and helping our guests feel welcomed and loved and part of the family. And their goal is to get them connected into families, smaller family units that will minister to them through the good times and the bad times by getting them connected to community group. And so you're going to, those of you that are greeters and on hospitality and all that kind of stuff you guys do, um, they're going to begin to um, be training you and um, bumping up that ministry in our church. Okay, because when we lost the, the Williams, it was a big loss. We all missed them. And so in that time, we've kind of been floating around and just kind of going on automatic. And so now it's neat to have this beautiful couple to have such passion and multi-number of gifts. I mean, you're going to see them laying on hands of people getting healed, and they're over that ministry. You know, it's awesome. They're going to do all kinds of things in uh, helping us uh, grow as a body and become a more welcoming um, community. So anyway, so I have a question to ask you too. First of all, will you guys pray for them? Yes. Okay. And and when you're working alongside them, have a teachable spirit. You may know something they don't know, right? And so they might be telling you, hey, let's do it this way. And you're going to say, well, that's not the way we used to do it. That's not a way to say something to somebody who's now in that position. It's more like, okay, that sounds good. And then maybe later ask about it and say, well, what do you think about this idea? That kind of thing. So you're going to be teachable? We say, yes. Okay, good. All right. Okay, now you guys. Yes, ma'am. That's right. (laughs) Okay, you guys are committing to support and promote the vision of Uh, the Vineyard Church, and especially through your ministry. Yes? Yes. Okay. And are you guys committed to fostering unity and reconciliation in the body of Christ? Yes. Yes. And you're willing to do whatever it takes to help us grow? All right. Uh, You heard it. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. No. (laughs) I do know that, and that's why you're in this position. Okay, I'd like the board members to come forward. Even with the baby. The baby can come. (laughs) <laughs> the future board member? <laughs> yeah, the future board member, us, exactly. And um, if a couple of you would like to pray over the mic, I would love to have your participation. And y'all, just extend your hands, a blessing upon them. Father, we just uh, lift up this couple that has come before us and uh, in, in wanting to desire to uh, help this church grow. Lord, I ask for your blessing on them and empowerment uh, that they would go forward from this day f- forth, that they would be um, uh, following your footsteps, uh, that they would not you know, be doing this in the flesh, but would be, be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, Lord, we just want to ask for your, uh, you'd seal this in the, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we stir up and activate all the gifts that you have uh, placed down inside them, even those things that have been dormant for years and years. And Lord, we speak life into every dream that you have. Uh, implanted within them 
And Lord, we just just water those seeds, and we look for them to grow and to reach fruition. Lord, I ask that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would rest upon them, would be their constant companion. Give them the ability to see things in the spirit, to see past the things of the world, to see past what their physical eyes would would show them or tell them, to see exactly what you're doing in any given situation. Lord, we just uh, look forward to what's coming from them, in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm just reminded um, of something I've, I've been reading over and over again lately, that where you guide, you provide. And Lord, um, it's just um, a blessing to have this couple with so many talents and such a, a heart for others to fill this position. And thank you um, for providing them to us. And thank you that you will provide everything they need to fulfill the mission that you've called them to do. Lord, we thank you for uh, the faith, uh, the love that you have uh, poured out in their hearts uh, for you and for us, Lord. And Lord, we ask that uh, they will continue, that their love will continue to grow in knowledge. Lord, that in every situation they will know uh, what is the best thing uh, to do, Lord. And Lord, we ask that as they serve, Lord, that you uh, will fill them with joy, Lord. Lord, that they will find uh, their reward being uh, the delight and the satisfaction that we find uh, when we please you and when we deal with things in a way that honor you and that glorifies your son. So with the authority the Lord has given us as a body to receive you, and to bless you, you be filled with his spirit, filled with wisdom from on high and power, and that you would bless his church and bless his bride, that you make his bride without any kind of blemish, that you be a part of the process removing every stain that's on that bride, and in that service to the king's bride, that you would experience the groom's love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Amen. <laughs> So we can have the uh, greeters grab the baskets and head this way. We're going to do the offering. We'll also be releasing the kids to go to their classes. Younger kids, ages something to something. Up to second grade. Thank you for that support. Not the third grade. Dave, why don't you come on up? Um Claire and I met uh, Dave about six years ago, uh, there or five years, something, four, I don't know, somewhere a while back. Uh, Claire and I had gone to, we, actually, you can't stand there. You're going to have to be up on top. I'm sorry. I know. There's a speaker here, and speakers and microphones don't go real well together. Would you like to see? No, just kidding. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, uh, Claire and I had gone to a vineyard uh, pastor's uh, Sabbath retreat. Dave was one of the servants there, uh, extending care and love to a group of about 15, 16 or so uh, vineyard pastors and wives, uh, vineyard pastors and spouses. And um, so that was a, a cool opportunity to meet him. And then o- over time, there were some future connections. And then... Um, Dave uh, felt leading and and went and visited Kenya and um, Lord laid on his heart uh, desires to be able to care for uh, and extend Christ to a pretty needy 
group of people. Um, I'm sure he'll be sharing a few stories with you. As Claire and I have heard those stories, we've been a little overwhelmed with the sadness uh, that is on many in that culture, Uh, many of those that he has been working with, some of Dave's own disappointments as he has both extended Christ and and received uh, some of the kickback uh, of that, even from those that you have loved. And so we just really want to um, encourage him in this uh, day. He's just here for a few days. There's going to be a dinner, not a dinner, uh, a dessert kind of gig thing at the uh, Compost's house tomorrow evening. If you would like to go there and spend a little bit more time getting connected, getting to know him, he'll be there. Um, Donna always does incredible things. So you, even if you don't want to talk to Dave, you might want to go because it will be really good. But you'll have that chance anyway. And then, of course, today uh, we have the potluck. And so he'll be here and a chance for you to meet and connect with him. So we're glad that he's here. And I just want to pray for him and uh, bless him as he shares with us. Father, thank you for this man that he... Um, like your son, uh, following after your son, has laid his life down uh, for those whom you have called him to serve. And uh, that is not a pleasant experience because often when we lay our lives down, we get walked on. (laughs) And uh, so I just pray for encouragement, stirring of uh, your love and call. Uh, Thank you for uh, this time where we can uh, hear a bit of his story and be encouraged by the word. And uh, might we be filled with courage uh, to follow in his footsteps, to lay our lives down for those that are around us, particularly the, uh, those that are the, uh, uh, perhaps the untouchables of our society. Um, so come, Holy Spirit, be upon him, be fill him, and let him be renewed and restored in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Randy. Am I on here? Okay, thanks. I, Randy, I don't know if I ever told you I was in a heavy metal band. But uh, we would get down to the end of the performance, you know, and we would just take these. Oh, it's not yours. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought I'd just mess with you a little bit. I I never was was in a heavy metal band, but I appreciate you letting me be with you this morning. And it's so great to have you guys uh, praying for me and support me while I'm out in Kenya. I got Anna up there, and she's going to help me out with some pictures here. Maybe we can just start those. I live in Kisumu, Kenya, which is on the west side, right next to Lake Victoria. And it's a city, uh, I think, of many contrasts. You can buy your vegetables here. When you see me go like this, that's kind of like a... uh, Something got out of order, but anyway. uh, You could live in a house like this, or you could live in a house like this. This is just for my construction friends. You know, whenever you're building scaffolding, you want to make sure it's good, it's secure, that you can trust it. So there you have it. Uh, You could rent one of these to haul your stuff, or you could rent one of these things here and have it pulled by a a man that will pull your things to the city. Uh, This is just a fun story. I've been looking for a farm to use as a transition center uh, for the guys that we work with to prepare them to live in a permanent home. So this this guy was going to show me some some property by the lake, and I'm thinking, oh, cool, that'd be nice. And so after he parks the car and we walk for 30 or 40 minutes, (laughs) they're telling us, yeah, you can't get to the lake from here. There's too much brush and bushes. And but this guy in front, he says, I can get you to the lake. So he grabs his machete and he leads us into this swamp. I'm looking around for snakes, you know, and and then they tell us, oh, there's a hippo in here. Exciting African adventure. So we get to the the beach, and and we're coming back into this slough now, and right in the sand you can see hippo prints, you know, where the hippo had gone right in here. And they say, it's okay, don't worry, because this guy knows what to do if there is a hippo. I'm thinking "This, this is good information, so I asked him, what do you do, you know, if there's a hippo? And he says, run. <laughs> Thanks for the advice, my friend. <laughs> but we do have hippos in the lake. And uh, if you come to visit someday, I'll take you out in a rowboat where you can look at the hippos. It's really exciting. They'll be looking at you like this, and then they'll go underwater. And you're going, oh, man, are they coming at us? But the guy's never had an incident, so... We believe it's safe, but it is very exciting. 
These things are called monitor lizards, and they can get to like five and six feet long. This guy was on our compound one day. And uh, these are uh, what they call boda bodas. They're bicycles. They use them for taxis. They estimate that there's probably 5,000 of them in the city. And this is how I get around uh, the town. That's Isaiah. He's my main worker. He's in charge uh, while I'm here in the States. I, I used to not wear a helmet. Now I wear a helmet. You know, I figured, you know, I always wore a helmet when I was in the States. I just kind of wanted to fit in the, with the culture when I first got there. So now I wear a helmet. And, uh, you know, one guy asked me, what's that for? <laughs> uh, I'm the only guy in the city that wears a bicycle helmet now. So don't tell my mom that I took this picture from my bicycle in traffic with one hand, uh, you know, uh, anyway. These are called Peaky Peakies. You can hire them for a taxi or you can get one of these. It's called a tuk-tuk. Or the matatus. There you go. Uh, they, they take the regular seats and they put these smaller seats in. So they have 14 seats. But the, the most I've seen in is 24 people. you got people hanging out the side and it's just crazy. And some of them just drive... I saw on the back of, of one it says, drive like you stole it. And they, <laughs> they are faithful to what they believe. Uh, this is the bus stage, and it's like a transportation hub in the city. And people coming into the city or leaving the city often call, they call it the stage. And so it's a very busy place. There's lots of small businesses around. And it's also a place uh, where a lot of the children and young adults from the street uh, hang out. So what's, what's in his mouth there is glue. And they call it sniffing glue, but they're actually inhaling it. They get it from people that sell rubber shoe soles. Uh, so the purpose of it is to glue a shoe sole onto, and, but they sell it to kids to destroy souls, uh, eternal souls. So it gets them high, and um, it's very common. They're just right out in the open. Uh, those guys in the previous uh, picture were gambling uh, right there in the stage. And I've seen kids that are playing soccer, and they'll have their glue bottle uh, hanging from their mouth. This is probably 5 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, somebody just zoned out. Uh, could be they are just high, uh, overloaded. Or maybe they didn't sleep good the night before, but they're just right there. Uh, so the uh, you know some some well I don't know if it sticks if it actually sticking or if they're holding it with their upper lip. Um, I haven't, Randy. Uh, but <laughs> now that you mention it, maybe I should. <laughs> um, some of the kids say they can't sleep uh, without glue. Some of them say that it helps them not feel hungry. Uh, of course, it helps numb their pain uh, for all that they've been through. Um, some little kids, you know, come to the street, and then they, they get involved in glue as well. This little guy had his bottle. Sometimes they'll stuck, stick it up underneath their shirt and they'll be just inhaling it like this here. This is a Ravine on the left. He's 11 years old and his brother Frederick uh, on, the, the le- on the right, on your right, is uh, 13. And uh, these little guys, um, they, they were told that their mother's a prostitute I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, that's that's what one of their relatives told them. So they were living with their father and a stepmother. The stepmother said things to them like, you know, well, I'm going to cut you with a knife, and then I'm just going to leave the, the family. Or she says, why don't you just go into town, and she'll, you know, say, she'll name some ethnic group she doesn't like, and just eat their feces, you know, because that's probably what you're doing anyway. So that's the home situation. Uh, that they're from, and uh, they've been with us. You know, we've started a shelter this last year for the young ones from the street. 
And both of them have chosen to go back to the street. So in my mind, it's like I can't fathom that. You know, what would make an 11-year-old boy, what would make a 13-year-old boy choose uh, to go back to the street? And I don't have any good answers. I know that the spiritual warfare is probably beyond anything that I can comprehend. We, we have kids, sometimes they come and they go. We're also working with adults. We the same thing with them. And I've asked uh, some, why did you leave? And they say, I don't know. Something just told me to go. Something. Um, but, you know, horrible things on the street. Uh, older ones, you know, will slit their pants, um, abuse them while they sleep. And uh, so you've got all these things going on, you know, a, a bad family life. Maybe you never bonded with your parents. Uh, you come into the street. you got brain damage. Uh, it atrophies the, the brain from the glue. Liver damage. It also... Uh, destroys the liver um, haven't learned to trust haven't learned how to deal with discipline and rules and so anytime there's any discipline or rules it's like it takes so little for them just to get mad and blow out and they go right back and I just wonder if there's also in the spiritual world some kind of connection you know between all the homosexual behavior on the street uh, if that doesn't draw them as well and so they've got a lot going against them that uh, makes it hard for them to just trust and, and receive love. In Kenya, they have what's called mob justice. So if they find a thief, uh, they can beat him to death, they can burn him with tires, and that's okay. Um, sometimes I've been told that the police will come if they didn't kill somebody, and the police will say, well, why didn't you kill him? You know, that's the attitude. Um, this boy, uh, this was in my original trip. I went to visit some friends about uh, a little over four years ago, we were going to wake up kids uh, to invite them to an outreach. This boy was sleeping out in this pile of garbage in a vacant lot, and they said he had malaria. So we walked down another alleyway, uh, we turned, come into this alley, and here's a boy. He's reaching down, and he's eating, eating food that's just been thrown out uh, into the alleyway. And I come out of that Alleyway. I see a boy coming up out of a hole on the sidewalk, and I went to see where he was sleeping. It was the gutter that ran underneath the sidewalk. And it just broke my heart. And I'd been asking God for a call for three and a half years. I was in this season, didn't know what was, I was purposefully not looking for a position, not looking for a job. I was just asking God, you know, where do I belong? And I felt like He said, in my arms, which is a pretty cool answer. And if I could get that from here to here, you know, I would always be okay. <laughs> uh, but I'm a man, doggone it. I like to have purpose. I want to see my life count for something. I want to see results. So, you know, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to be? Well, three and a half years later, he takes me here. And I just say, God, i got to do something about this. So I'm walking up the street from this hole. Our boy comes and takes my hand. Another boy comes and takes my other hand. I don't know these kids. You know, I just got tears streaming down my, my face. And one little boy pulls out a New Testament, and he quotes John 3.16 from memory. And uh, this is the boy. His name is Lawrence. And he's still on the street. Okay? This is four years later. Just, uh, and uh, he's a really nice guy. But something going on inside of him he doesn't want to reach out and receive help that's been offered to him and I think it's you know I don't have proof but I think it's the you know the sexual stuff that's going on over there uh, the next picture here these are just some of the guys that have been with us I originally started working with young men because when I first got there I didn't have a work permit that's another story <laughs> But I finally got a work permit this year, and so we started working with children as well. Some of these guys have been with us three and four times. They've chosen, you know, to go back to the street and back to their addictions. This is Samson. Uh, this is after we took him to a doctor and got him cleaned up. He'd been in a fight and got hit with a rock, I think, behind his ear there. And This is Barak. Barak uh, lived with us for about seven months. He went back to his addictions. Uh, came back with us, lived with us for a year, you know, kept struggling, you know, 
difficult to work with. December 31st last year, he left. Within two or three days, he's laying drunk um, at the corner after being with us for a year, this time and seven months before. So he leaves, gets back into his addictions. June 1st, he's a victim of mob justice. He has no, no more chance to choose. Uh, he's dead. Um, this is uh, his funeral. Uh, we went to his funeral. There's some of the guys from the street show up. They get drunk. Samson, who you know, just I showed you his picture just before, who got hit with a rock. He comes up to the coffin. He's got a machete. You can see it hanging from his sleeve. Uh, you can just see the handle, and he's drunk. And he just starts this scene. You know, he opens up the coffin and, Bollocks! Bollocks! I'm going to kill somebody and join you! And he's just going on and on while Bollocks' mother-in-law is trying to, you know, talk to the people at the funeral. So, guys that are really lost, uh, guys that are, are, are really uh, in so much pain that they have to numb it, you know, through some kind of pain. And, I mean, the same thing happens in our country. Uh, those that have struggled with addictions know just how difficult, you know, it is to break. Uh, you can say this is the last time, and you can say that about 2,000 times. Uh, and you keep going back uh, because it's something that's out of your control. See? And so until they or we can come to the place and say, you know what, I really am powerless over this thing. I really need to get honest and ask for some help. Then we just kind of continue the cycle. This is Charles. He's the guy in the center, Isaiah, my worker uh, on your right. Charles is the only guy that has graduated from the program. He completed the three years. And I just hired him before I came back uh, to the States here to help out on Saturdays. So he's now helping uh, supervise some of the younger ones on Saturdays. So we're thankful that God has given us, uh, (laughs) you know, I I make everything about me, you know. Uh, It's about results, right? You know, I want to see him like Charles. Off of their addictions, out of the street, following Jesus, you know, some somebody that I can look at and say fruit from Dave Osborne's ministry. What a man of God. <laughs> you know, and so I've felt like a failure over and over. We get, we've had over 20 guys coming and going, coming and going. Now we started working with kids just in March. We've had over 20 kids coming and going and coming and going. I'm going, God, what are we missing? You know, what are we not doing? What do we, you know, just, (laughs) well, we have that also. Uh, hmm. So um, one of the guys, uh, actually Isaiah there on the right, um, his father had eight wives. Okay. Um, And... uh, so in this process of, you know, feeling like a failure, getting so discouraged, I get my eyes on the results. I know better. See, I take them off of Jesus. I put them onto what's happening or what's not happening. And it becomes really about Dave instead of about Jesus. So and I've been sharing with folks, he's redefining my view of success. You know, if I have a, somebody with me for one day, and I get to love them, and I just get to be faithful to what God's called me to do, that's success. Okay? It's really not about me. Uh, it's not about, you know, what I get to see, because some of these guys, Charles's brother was with us for a year. He left, went to prison for a year and a half, got out about four months ago. He just came back uh, shortly before I left. So he's with us again. Maybe this time around, you know, he'll get serious and truly surrender uh, and give everything to Jesus. Maybe he'll leave again. Maybe he'll go to prison again. Some of these guys have been in prison, you know, uh, several times. I don't know what it's going to take, but my job is to love him. My job is to be faithful, to be connected with Jesus so that I can continue to love. And if you ever pray for me, 
the number one prayer request is that I can keep my heart soft. Because if you're nice to me, Randy, I'll love you. (laughs) But if you steal from me, if you lie to me, if you cheat me, that's a whole different ballgame, you know. And I'll come over and I'll... (laughs) You know, this, this... my heart, I can be loving and caring, and I, can, I have this uncanny ability to just cut it off and put up a wall and say, that's enough mercy for you, pal. You know, you've got enough grace. And I hate that. You know, that's, that's not the heart of Jesus. See? And some of you, I'm probably not the only one in the room that has had that experience, you know, where somebody has hurt you and you've decided that's enough you know that's enough i'm not going to love you anymore and the enemy is so good at this he's done this to me countless of times uh, he just sucks me over into his camp and i'm not even aware of what's going on now all of a sudden i'm pointing the finger and i said you <laughs> I'm over here. Oh, thank you, God, for your mercy, your forgiveness. Thank you for the cross. But you know what? You don't deserve it. I would never do that. What You call yourself a Christian? And he sucked me into his camp where now I'm the accuser of the brethren. I've just aligned with him. And I'm self-righteous in the whole process. I'm totally unaware that in this position I am now sinning. Yes, I've I've genuinely been sinned against, but now I've just aligned myself with the accuser of the brethren and unconsciously I'm saying right now at this moment of time I choose to align myself with Satan and say that, oh, I love the grace and the mercy of God for me, but you can go to hell, pal, or whatever's going on inside of me. See, in my self-righteousness now, He's sucked me right into his camp. (laughs) And I've been in this place, I can't tell you how many times. But I don't want to be there for one second anymore. I just just don't want to go there. So I keep coming, I keep running to the cross, and I made a decision a long time ago that if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm just going to forgive. I'm going to start with forgiveness. In the midst of my pain, in the midst of my anger, I'm running to the cross. That's the place I'm going to start. I'm going to get some brothers around me to pray for me. Uh, I'm going to ask God for his healing to my pain and my bitterness, but I'm starting at the cross. And if I don't do that, just like if you don't do that, we're history, man. We're we're just going to be right over here hardening our hearts, uh, thinking that we're righteous the whole time, spewing out bitterness about what so-and-so, you know, it could be uh, an ex-spouse, it could be a parent, you know, it could be a, a child, it could be a neighbor, it could be somebody at school. You know, the enemy has no shortage of, of people to bring against us, to move us into this place to align with him. He will continue, you know, to seek to move us away from Jesus into this spot where we align with him. And he's so good at it, he does it, and we're not even aware of it. We're just thinking we're the holy, righteous ones, and those people out there that wronged us, man, I, don't, I just don't want to be there for a nanosecond. You know? In 1 John 4... It says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. That's the place I want to live. I want to live in love. But man, Dave Osborne in the flesh does not live there. I thought I was a nice guy before I went to Kenya. (laughs) You know, I come back to the States and it's like, man, I hardly ever get upset. Man, over there, it's just all the time, man. I've been in the flesh more times in the last three and a half years than I care to admit. I'm not proud of that. you know. And I could say, well, I'm living in a different culture and it's, it's hard. And these, Well, I'm the kind of man that when you put me in these kinds of situations, this is what comes out of my heart. That's the truth. See? 
if I don't have those kind of situations, that stuff is still here. You just don't get to see it as often. But that's what's inside. Now, Jesus loves me just as much when I'm in the flesh as when I'm walking in the Spirit. And that's still a hard one for me to get from here to here. You know, that that His love doesn't change. It just doesn't change. And so learning to, like, like He told me, God, where do I belong? And He says, in my arms. Learning to rest in that place is that's where I belong. And when, when, when we're not in that place, then the enemy takes us to all other kinds of places so that we feel some kind of love. We want to feel some kind of value. We want to somehow feel something that feels good. And he'll take us into all different kinds of places. You know, It could be any kind of addiction, any kind of behavior. Something that we're looking for when we get our eyes off of Jesus. But God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So that's the place that I believe, if if you're here this morning, that you want to live just like I want to live. And if I'm not connected with Jesus, you know, I'm just not going to live in that place. And I've found that, you know, I, I accepted Jesus when I was eight years old. Okay? I've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but I still don't believe him. And you laugh, but it may be possible that you don't believe him also. Because okay? if I believe Jesus, why would I ever worry about anything? I just wouldn't, you know. If I lived in love, if I really believed him, that he's good, that he is going to protect me, then I just wouldn't go there. (laughs) But there's still times that I don't believe him. I wouldn't defend myself if I believed Jesus. Probably wouldn't be taking offense if I really believed Jesus. I asked him to make me a man who does not take offense. And he moved me to Kenya. (laughs) Uh, He really loves me. He really wants wants to answer my prayers, you know. Uh, In March, we started working with the young children from the street. These are the first ten that we got. Uh, We made a a shelter very simple because our goal uh, was to get them back with a relative. It's such a family-oriented culture that, uh, you know, orphanages are great, but in Africa, once you get to be 18 and you're, you're gone from the orphanage, if you're not connected in a family system, it's just hard for them to survive. So if at all possible, we'd like to get them back with a relative. So all they get is a bamboo mat and a sheet and a mosquito net, you know, because if they go back with a relative, they may not have their own bed. But uh, one boy walks in and he sees this and his response is, wonderful. And another boy says, God is going to bless you. Now, if you or I were said, this is where you're sleeping. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you know. So, you know, they, they're, they're thankful. Um, we arranged it. Uh, we were originally just going to work with them during the night. We'd release them to go back to the street. We'd minister them to them at night until God would give us a farm uh, where we could use this and put them into homes with Kenyan families and use it as a transition farm back into a regular home. Well, uh, we rented this hall around the corner where um, there's a morning program for them. And then in the afternoon, I rented an acre of land about five miles away. They pile into Matatu. And so they don't have to go back to the street. And we're just considered a children's shelter with the children's department. But we've basically got them all day. So this is that little acre of land. And then they take a bath in the river. How would you like to take your bath in that water? 
you know. That's just the way that they do it there, you know. Um, Sunday mornings we have a service, and then they wash their clothes and their sheets. They get a chance to play some basketball. And uh, we've got a little soccer field around the corner. They can play some soccer. This is Joseph. Um, Joseph is just a really nice guy. He's the first one that I invited into the shelter. I was just so impressed uh, with this boy. Those are his grandmothers on the right. He didn't want to come. Our friends uh, that also work with uh, children from the street had invited him. He didn't want any of their help. Turns out he didn't want to go back home. Uh, He believes that witchcraft killed his grandfather, which I've been told really happens. Um, He had some fear, some bitterness about that. And uh, so I said, well, Joseph, you know, if you didn't have to go home, if, if we could work towards putting you in a place where it was safe, but you didn't have to go home, would you want to leave the street? And he said, yeah. So then he came. And he's left a couple of times, but the last time he came back, he just said, man, I'm not going back to the street. You know, I'm staying here until I'm back in school. And since I've been here, um, there was a funeral that we released him to go to, and grandmother didn't let him come back because she wanted him to go to school. Well, that's our desire as well, but I wanted to see him get stabilized a little bit longer, and maybe in January or something we would consider that. So you could pray for him. Uh, he's a really nice guy. I really hope that he makes it. Uh, on this table right over here, there's just photographs of some of the young men and the boys that uh, are with us or they've been with us and they've gone. And if you would just take one, even one. I just had a friend out in Southern California. He took ten pictures. You can take as many as you want. The names are on the back. You know, if you would just pray for, for one guy, that would just be a gift. Uh, I just printed up several of these pictures, and I thought, man, if I can get several warriors praying for some of these guys, maybe God will start to break some of the strongholds in their lives. And um, So feel free to take you know, as many pictures as you want uh, out there. And also I've got a, a, a thing right here. If you want to get on uh, email update list, I send those out a couple times a month. You can give me your email. Um, Every other Monday, we go down to the, the stage and we reach out to the boys on the street there. The alternate Mondays, uh, we're going into the hospital and praying for kids that have cancer. This is a really sad place. You know, we see kids with just huge tumors, uh, just distorting their face. Uh, but it's it's just a privilege to go and, and bring the kingdom into this place. And uh, these are a couple prostitutes that we work with down in the slum. Cynthia on the left and uh, Rosalind on the right. And uh, Cynthia's got her Bible there. And uh, you can t- uh, this is the house that they live in. Okay? They share it with one other lady. Um, Rosalind on the left is HIV positive, is pregnant. She's probably already given birth. We go into that house and we start worshiping and sharing the scriptures. And tears will come to these ladies. You know, they... They want to connect with Jesus. And Cynthia's been to our home fellowship a few times. And, you know, whenever we come and visit, she'll say, oh, I'm going to come tomorrow. But, you know, she doesn't show up. And so it's like another addiction, and it's hard for them to get out of it. Um, but those would be another couple ladies that, uh, if God puts it on your heart, to pray for. This is just the slums around where they live. We go down there every Tuesday, and we're just reaching out to people. Uh, this is a friend, a uh, very wealthy man. He's a Sikh. And I got to know him because I was looking at sugarcane farms that were for sale. And uh, this is his house. There were four new tractors in the driveway this day. The time before, there were ten new tractors in his driveway. Uh, But uh, I've given him the Gospel of John. He's read it. His 84-year-old father was on his third time through it. Uh, They watched the Jesus film in Hindi. I got him a copy in Punjabi, which is their native tongue. They watched it in that. The last time he watched it, he said, something happened while I was watching that movie. I started to get dizzy. And I'm thinking, whoa. I said, man, that could be something evil trying to confuse you. Let me encourage you to watch it again. And if that happens, just say, Jesus, help me. He says, I'll watch it again. So you might pray for saute, that God would just come in. And they like Jesus. They always receive prayer from me. Man, I can lay hands on them and just go for it. And, and they thank me, you know. Uh, But there's something that keeps them from really accepting Jesus. This is Joseph uh, before he came uh, to live with us. 
And then this is the group that was there when I left. Now, three of the boys have left since I've been in the States. And we've got a new one, and then we've added two new young men. So as of last week, (laughs) we had six boys and seven adults uh, with us. And like I said, um, if, if, if God would lay it on your heart to even pray for one, uh, it would be a wonderful gift. But God is moving us, I'm, I'm convinced. You know, I've told God and other people that I want to raise the dead. You know, I want to see the lame walk. I can't tell you how many lame people I've prayed for, and I've never seen it happen. Okay? Now, it encourages me that where, you know, uh, the lepers were healed as they went. So maybe God's healing them as they go, and I just don't get to see it. (laughs) Um, But if it says that God is love, you know, I'm all about results, right? You know, I want to see results. So I want to see the dead raised, you know. I want to be like Clara and just, you know, raise the dead. And uh, But if God is love, then the best thing going has got to be love, okay? The best thing going has got to be love. And so the person in your life that is the most difficult to love, and you know, I can't love that person. You know, yeah, I, I, I just know I can't do it. It's been evidenced by countless times that, you know, I've got plenty of records to show you I can't love them. Jesus in you wants to love that person. He wants to love the one that has betrayed you. He wants to love the one that has abused you. He wants to love the one that has cheated you and lied to you. And he wants to love that one through you and just step on this this enemy's head. And all that this guy has has planned to accomplish to destroy you, okay? Uh, yeah, we don't have to go anymore. Uh, um, all that he has meant to destroy you. Jesus just wants to topple that and through you, through me, to bring his kingdom, his love into the situation and transform people's lives. So one of my prayers is, God, if you don't do anything in these guys' lives, would you perfect love in me? Now, if he does that, a great miracle has occurred in Kisumu, Kenya. You know, A great miracle has occurred. And people are going to get touched even if I don't get to see a thing. So if he's perfecting love in me so that no matter what you do to me, you're going to get love in in return. Now, I'm not to that point. I wish I was. But I'm keeping asking God, you know, transform my heart. Let this be what happens in me. And if that happens in you, then San Antonio is going to be changed. When you go to a restaurant, you know, like Randy and Clara are doing over here, and some of you are, are just witnessing, you know, to this family over here, you're bringing the kingdom of God, see, into this bar, you know, whatever relationships that you're having. When you go to the gas station, I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys know all this stuff. Anyway, God's up to something good, and uh, I appreciate you letting me share. I appreciate you being a part of my life. And, um, again, if you'd take a picture or two or ten I'd be blessed so I'm going to turn it over to you guys pardon oh that was one of the ones that got skipped I was you know you could go to this church or you can go to the next shot yeah or you can go to this church this is where we went this is the Kisumu Vineyard Church uh, so. kind of looks like our church a little bit <laughs> could we have uh, some of the greeters grab the offering baskets again one of the things we want to do is of course is to uh, bless Dave Um, you know as a missionary he is fully funded and supported through gifts and contributions can I just send this around you can send a clipboard around like this if you want to sign up and get email updates then if you don't that's fine you know, some of you may be prepared to be able to uh, give something uh, right now. <clears throat> some of you may not because of the way that you do your, your contributions. 
Um, we do give Dave a very small, um, comparatively small amount every month, but we are thrilled to be able to be a part of that and would very much uh, like to be able to do more. So today gives us that opportunity. Um, uh, just hang on. Just a We need to give him just a little bit of time before we pass that around. So um, you can get ready to do that. If... Um, you know, you doesn't. If you're not prepared today, you want to bring it next Sunday. If you'll just uh, put memo, Dave. You've been your church. Make it out to us. We'll run it through. It's fully contribution uh, deductible. Then that way, and then we'll just pass it on to him. So again, as I said, if you're not prepared this week, you can give that next week uh, at any time, and we will forward those funds directly to him um, as we uh, do each month. So that would be something good. Um, what's that? They are prepared now to do that. Why don't you come on up to the front to uh, pass those baskets around. You got anything, Clara? <laughs> okay. So uh, some of you have been getting these newsletters. Now you know who he is, right? So that's kind of cool. Um, so we are going to been pegged. Anybody was pegged at all by the teaching? I mean, did you feel like, okay, I'm going through circumstances and I'm not really dishing out love when it's not coming my way, right? And so we, we, um, wherever we are, we're experiencing that kind of situation. Uh, anybody in the room without raising hand, can you think of somebody that has hurt you really bad and you're still dealing with it? And, you know, if you forgot, ask half the people in the church. They could probably tell you who that person is because they've heard you talk about it. Right? Right? I mean, I just, I mean, it's, his message is very real. It's very real. And um, it would be probably few of us that could sit down and say, no, everything's okay. Honestly. So um, I, I kind of like that whole idea of being one that does not get offended. This morning I had three opportunities probably to be offended, right? So I'm, that's a nice thing to, to think about and change. So if you would like to be one of those folks that is able to love, even though love is not coming your way and, you know, you've tried and you've missed, but now you're thinking this might be something I should be praying about, would you please stand? Lord, we do not any longer want to line up with Satan, the accuser of the brethren. He has done that way too much through us. We have cooperated way too many times. Lord, we want that stopped. And we, out of your kindness, repent. Father, we repent for holding on to offense. We repent for not reciprocating love when evil was coming our way. Father, we repent, Father, for cooperating any way with the evil one, with our spouse, with our children, with our parents, with neighbors, Lord, with co-workers. Father, we repent for in any way associating ourselves with the evil one and accusing others, Lord. Father, we ask for a miracle in our hearts that we would be able to give love when love has not come our way. Fill us, Jesus, with you, with your love. Now, I'd just like you guys to, um, whoever that person is and or persons that he's put in your head this morning of people that you've rehearsed, nursed, cursed, that have hurt you in the past, and you would like to give that to Jesus, would you just make that exchange with him this morning? Or we just choose to forgive these folks that you love. And would you give us your love instead?
And Lord, I just want to pray for those. Father, there's some folks in this church where it's right now. I mean, it's not like, oh, when I was a little girl, this person is like they're living it right now. Lord, they're having to deal with it on a daily basis. Their, their dad has left. Their spouse has left. Um, they're having to deal with a difficult relationship on a daily basis. Father, I pray for your grace, your power to be upon them. And you would show them, Lord, how to love and how to forgive. You got something, Dave? You just got tissue. Well, that's nice. <laughs> All right. Amen. Okay. How about um, if folks need prayer for healing or anything else, if you come forward. And then I would like a special, you know, Dave's going to get prayed for really significantly on Tuesday. Um, the, our intercessory prayer group is going to be spending the evening to minister to him in a real significant way. So if you don't go to that group, but you feel leading to pray for him this morning, I know he would take it. So if anybody would like to pray for him this morning, if you just head over there and take some time to pray for him. If you need prayer for healing or anything else, um, just come up here, and there will be some folks that will come and pray for you. Does that sound good? Yeah? All righty. And then um, anybody else who's not engaged in those kinds of things, uh, we're going to be setting up some tables. If you just go to about the curtain area, and they'll tell you how to set up, and we'll celebrate and eat and visit and fellowship together. Okay, bless you. We'll see you next week.